is going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode eight of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast. I am joined by my host, Mikey Sullivan, um, brought to you in part by Primetime Productions. Um, we've got a lot to get to um, as far as, you know, division rankings, other stuff. But first off, I think we've got to start the episode by offering our uh, condolences to the family of Romeon Amirov. Um, who passed away a few days back, two years after being diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, just an incredibly sad story. Um, such a young kid with so much promise. Um, obviously was a first round pick of the, of you know, of Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and so on behalf of the Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, myself and Mikey, we want to offer the family um fans of the toronto maple leafs you know our deepest condolences um just such a horrible story man um you know everything i'm reading about this kid he just was such a such an amazing kid just just so much life in him and uh a quote i want to read from kyle dubas um personally i'm so sad for the loss of such a wonderful young man with so much potential his unbashed positivity even faced with an awful diagnosis, will stay with me forever. Rodion was such an amazing example of courage, and I am certain that his spirit his spirit has touched and will live on in everyone lucky enough to have known him. Um, just a just crazy sad story, man, especially someone as young as, as him. And um, like I said, we want to just offer our condolences, um, and I'll give you the floor now. Yeah, man. I mean, just thinking about it too, it just goes to show you, you never know, uh, you know, when, when your time is up, um, this kid who had such a promising bright future in the league and in hockey and, and, and his future endeavors in life cut short by an awful disease. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking and I can't, I mean, just his family, they must be going through it right now. So I feel for them. Um, I feel for all his friends, his family, everybody who knew him personally, but everything that, you know, like you just read that quote from Dubas, everything that you hear about this kid from people who knew him personally had nothing but great things to say about him. And um, a 15th overall pick in, in, in the draft, it sucks that us as fans aren't going to be able to experience the kind of skill level and the electricity that he would have brought to the game. But you know, life outside of hockey, you, you got to think about his friends and his family and it's, it sucks and it's horrible and it's a terrible, terrible thing to go through. So my thoughts and my prayers are with them right now. Yeah. That, you know, it's a prime example. Some things are bigger than the game of hockey. Yeah. Um, you know, you brought up a really good quote, I guess, you know, you, you never know, you know, you really, you really never know. And you never know when it's going to be your last time on that ice. And, you never right. know when it's going to be the last time with your family. So, like I said, on behalf of, you know, myself, Mikey, and the Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, um, we offer our, our deepest condolences to his family, friends, and uh, anyone who is blessed enough to uh, get the chance to know him um, and really, you know, be close to him. So, we offer our condolences, and we're thinking about you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So we'll, we'll kind of get into the episode. Um, we've got a lot to get to. I mean, I know we're still like you, like you say, man, dog days of the, 
of the off season, but yeah. still, we still got plenty of news, man. Like, yeah. I think every little thing that happens is like huge news. And obviously um, we found out that the Bruins decided to bring in um, former Harvard captain, John Farinacci. Um, I fucking love this signing, dude. You know, I, I, I was on, you know, Twitter and whatever, and was seeing, well, you know, what are Ryan? Um, you know what, you know, he's a BU kid. Um, and I think for, for someone that is strictly looking at stat lines. Yeah, I could agree. Yeah. O'Brien definitely had better stats, but there's something that, that he met that Farinacci mentioned, uh, in his press conference with, you know, reporters with the Bruins was that he looks at himself as a 200 foot centerman. Yep. Sound familiar? <laughs> sound familiar? Some, some, you know, a kind of important person we just lost. Yeah. Um, and not to mention a, a player that he tried to emulate his game after was Patrice Bergeron. Um, yeah. Not the sexiest stat line. Um, obviously he's not going to wow you in that, in that aspect, but a phenomenal leader. And like he even said himself, he, he, he prides himself on being a 200 foot centerman. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on this signing? Well, when you're thinking about the Boston Bruins right now and, and the state of the team and the organization, you, you know, they just lost their number one and number two centers in Bergeron and Krejci, uh, both retired. So obviously congrats to them. Great career legends of the team, but you have to look towards the future and you you're lacking center depth. You're lacking a future, you know, you're lacking a future with centers right now. So I think what their logic is, is to just stock up enough centers and see who works out and see who doesn't, you know, Beecher, I believe is about to go on to his fourth year of professional hockey, either third or fourth year of professional hockey. And it doesn't really seem like he's taking giant leaps and bounds that might've been expected of him. Um, It's, it's a great signing. Uh, Like you said, captain of Harvard. So he has that leadership. He mimics his game after Bergeron. Obviously, nobody's ever going to be Bergeron, but to know that he'd been watching him and trying to play like him, like he said, you know, a 200-foot game. He's not just focused on offense. He's not just focused on defense. He's he's focused on being that neutral player who's good in both zones of the ice. And for the Bruins to just, I mean, take a stab at him. Why not? Drafted by the Coyotes, I believe, in the third round. Coyotes never signed him. So he free agent coming out of college, sign him. Why not take a chance? I love it. Um, you know, play him in Providence and see what happens. It could it could end up really working out for the Bruins. Yeah, you know, I I want to read the exact quote. It was a uh, a question that Connor Ryan had asked, um, as you know, at the press conference that he had yesterday. Um, it was a question about his game and and who he tries to model it after. And you know, the exact quote is: "I see myself as a two hundred foot centerman." I think my hockey sense is my biggest strength. Um, he also mentioned that Patrice Bergeron is a guy that he tried to emulate his game after. So, again, this is the exact type of player that this team has to sign. Like, again, you're not going to go out and at, at this point in the offseason, you're not going to go out and get a Mark Shifley. You're not going to go out and get a, a Lindholm from Calgary. This is the exact type of signing that they needed to, needed to get done to, one, help their – development at center you know with young kids coming up they had to make this happen they like again this was a no-brainer for this team they don't have much coming up unfortunately 
And that's what happens when you go all in on a, and I don't blame them for that at all. It was the right move, but I think this is a perfect, perfect depth signing, especially for, you know, spend some time in uh, Providence. He's got that leadership ability and, and who knows what he turns into. Like, yeah, again, I mentioned he doesn't have the sexiest stat line, but sometimes that's not what you need. I mean, the leadership and his, his, the way that he sees the game and the responsibility that he prides himself like on in the defensive zone. I mean, that's something that the Bruins are really going to miss with Bergeron retiring. So I, I'm a huge fan of it, man. And and as soon as I saw that list come out, I was like, it's either Farinacci or or O'Brien. And as soon as I saw that his strengths were, were in the defensive zone and you know, that's what he prides himself on. I said, bring him in. Like, again, that's exactly what, what we need. I love this signing, to be honest. Yeah, and honestly, as a Bruins fan myself too, bring in as many young centers as you can, because yeah. that's you, you're set on the wing. Um, you're you're more than set on defense. Your defense is fine. You already have Lori in the system. You have a Sean, not to mention McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Grizzlick. You name it. They're, their defense is set and their goaltending is set. Well, a Sean signed elsewhere, didn't he? Did he? I must have missed that. If he did, I missed that, and that's on me. Pretty sure he signed, I believe, dude. I and you know what's funny? You bring that up. I loved him, dude. He was like he reminded me exactly of a fucking Tory Krug. Mm. Um, no, just, you know, you know who I'm thinking of. I'm Colorado. sorry, I was he was he a Sean signed in Colorado. Okay, that's yeah. on me. I I was thinking of Zaboral. I was I'm, yeah, I, I, I misspoke. Yeah, I, I got you. I yeah, got you. but but either way, like their defense is deep. Yeah. yeah, their defensive units deep. Um. Goaltending is set. You even have Bussy in Providence. You got wingers. You got Pasta, JD, obviously Marshawn. Now you have JVR. Um, you brought in Geeky, which helps the center and the wing spots. But, you know, load up on as many centers as you can and, and develop them and hope you hit the jackpot on one of them and, and figure it out down the line. It's what they need right now. So I love the signing. Like you said, the leadership ability that he can bring, obviously captaining a team like Harvard. Um playing in Harvard for, I believe three seasons. So he knows the area. He knows, you know, what Boston is all about. He's already comfortable here. So it's a good signing. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do in Providence this year as well. That The Providence Bruins are going to be a ton of fun to keep tabs on. Yeah. hundred percent. And um, also family with uh, Ted and Ryan Donato. Yes. Um, yes. A little connection. Um yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what Providence does. I mean, they have a, it's it's what seems like a loaded roster right now. Yeah, because you have a you have a ton of players down there that could potentially make the jump and play bottom six for the Bruins, but not everyone is going to get that opportunity, which means they're going to be playing in Providence. So I, it's going to be exciting to see like what this team does. Um, Providence does that is, um, you know, we've brought up on on past podcast that there are so many players that could make that next jump to a bottom six board fourth yeah. line. We bring up Murky love uh, McLaughlin. I mean, Farinacci has to get thrown in at this point. He's a natural centerman. I mean, a natural fourth line center who who is responsible in the defensive zone. I mean, who did we just lose? That is phenomenal on the penalty kill and who was pretty damn good in the defensive zone. Thomas Nosek. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out completely. Um, I know he's just going to be a rookie this year, but um, everything I'm reading about the kid, he, he's got a lot of skill, played for Teddy Donato at Harvard. And yeah, he was, he was good, dude. 
He was a good yeah. player. I, I watched him for – I think I went to like three different games, saw him play. He was like notably good. Yeah. I know he, you know, he didn't score much, but you knew when he was out there for sure. Yeah, Calder Trophy incoming for Farinacci. Just pencil it down right now. He gets a fucking hoist something this year. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude. So I, I thought that was a great signing, and uh, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see how it pans out, and I guess it's like you know, we've had so much fucking dumpster fire with this team that like any little like positivity, we're just like running with it, and like yeah. Um, I guess this is probably something we should have started with the retirement of uh, David Krejci. Oh yeah, we yeah David Krejci <laughs> retired, huh? Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, I guess that happened. Um, again, we I had all you know had the game notes up, and I guess I just didn't put that in there. <laughs> but I mean, I think I I I think I saw it coming. I wasn't I wasn't yeah. very surprised. Like you know, obviously. I, I think the writing was on the wall, like you said. Like, it just – I knew it was coming. There was no way that David Krejci was coming back to this team without Bergeron. There was no right. way. Like, and again, it, and I'm not trying to – I hope no one takes this, like, that we forgot about David Krejci because that's not at all the case. I think yeah. it's just the fact that we've already accepted that he was done. Like, yeah. I think past episodes we already talked about, like, hey, we know it's done. Like, yeah over with unbelievable career obviously like i was you know watching everyone's old videos he had some unbelievable moments dude and like again probably the most underappreciated bruins player besides tuka rask i'd say yeah um yeah just an unbelievable career um i put a poll out there about if people think that 40 shook 46 should be hung in the rafters I'm curious what your thoughts are. I have, dude, it, between, like, him and Rask, I'm so back and forth on it because, again, not to not to take away from what they produced in their career and how important they were to the city, but I just, again, I think we've kind of gotten away from the fact of how special it is to have your number retired. Yeah. Like, and I, I think people are just looking at it from that, city bias being like oh he has to but like again when, when are we gonna actually look at this threshold and say like hey this is actually worthy of being retired like what 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 are your thoughts do you think 46 should be hung in the rafters at some point um and also I, i'll bring up 40 as well do you think yeah. Tuka should be hung in the rafters you know as well so it's actually funny that you mentioned this because on on uh on the latest episode of something's brewing podcast um me and nick talked about this exact same thing and we actually took all the people who were retired with the bruins and threw in chara tuka krejci and bergeron as well and we did a bracket and we we matched everybody up against each other and it all came down to one but i for a jersey to be retired you need to almost transcend the sport itself um you you know the bruins have guys like milt schmidt rick middleton willie o'ree terry o'reilly ray bork lionel hitchman eddie shore um esposito dip clapper bobby Orr, obviously like all of these names are names that are infamous with the bruins 
And I'm not saying David Krejci is not infamous with the Bruins. He is. But, I mean, Krejci never won, you know, Krejci never won any personal awards outside of the Silver Stick Award in 2013, I believe, where he was awarded as the best uh, Czech player. Outside of that, he has one cup, 2011. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't. I think he's teetering on the edge. I don't think he gets his number retired, but he's he's right there. He is right there. Yeah, it, it's a it's an interesting perspective, um, because I think if you ask any Bruins fan, the typical biased Bruins fan, you're gonna get a yes, absolutely, his number needs to go up there. Yes, Tuca has to go up there. But I look at it from an outsider standpoint. Right. If you're looking at strictly stat line, you're looking at strictly the Bruins have no goalies numbers retired. Here's the thing about Tuca. And the argument against Tuca has always been that he never won a cup, right? And that's, you know, have your opinion on that, that's fine. I can it's see fair. both sides. Yes, I can yeah. see both sides cuz 2011 100% was Tim Thomas's cup, for yeah. sure. But is Tuka Rask's name on the cup? Yes. Did he help propel the Bruins throughout the regular season? Yes. But when you look at his stats throughout his career, Tuka Rask, 564 games played, 308 wins, 165 losses, 52 shutouts, a career, a career, 2.28 goals against average, and a 921 save percentage. He's first in the franchise in games played first in wins second in goals against second in shutouts and he's tied for first in save percentage with tim thomas and tuca played far more games at the bruins than tim thomas did so i would put tuca above that so when you look at that it's it, i think he should be the first bruin goalie to have his number retired but you don't think if, if tuca gets retired you have to retire thomas at that point no i don't i don't think so wow Really? I don't, because of the longevity. Yes. I, I really, I, that's what I believe. Yes. You, do you look into the fact at all that he hasn't had his number retired yet? Tuca or Tim? Tuca. Do I look into it? That it in hasn't regard- happened yet. Cause I, I think, I think we can, we can all agree with the centennial season that 37 and 33 are probably going up in the rafters. I think we, yes. we can all agree on that. Do you think, do you look into the fact at all that 40 hasn't gone up yet? No, nothing has happened with, there's been no celebrate, like nothing. And nope. Well, nobody's won the number 40 either since, correct? I, I don't think so. I, I don't I, think so. I mean, it would be a fucking ugly number for a player to wear. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> I would, I would honestly, I'm, oh man, it is so hard. Cause they're all, they're all, viable candidates to have it done Bergeron and Chara for sure I think if you oh man because it would be so awkward of a ceremony if you have Bergeron Chara and Tuca because then everyone's going to be like what about Krejci you know what I mean but if it's Bergeron and Chara then I think the conversation ends I've looked I've looked at this so many different ways and like again down like the grumpy old but like again as a hockey fan looking at it from a whole perspective i don't think like 
I just don't see a situation where you retire 46 and 40. Mm-hmm. I don't think they made that big of an impact. Like, yeah, statistic-wise, sure. He played huge amount of fucking games for this team. It was one of the only teams he fucking played for his whole career. But, like, again, that's going to happen when you play your entire career with one team. Like, yes, he was phenomenal in the regular season. Phenomenal. That's what I was going to ask you. And, like, again, he had he had some good playoff runs. I'm not going to take that away from him. Yeah. But, again, he was never responsible for a Stanley Cup. That's what I was going to ask you. So, say – say, and, and I'll bring this up. What is the only reason that Dustin Brown is fuck his number is retired because he brought LA a fucking Stanley Cup and he yes. was pivotal in that role. Yes. Exactly. He, does he does he lead the LA Kings in all st- statistical categories? You don't play for regular season statistics. Mm-hmm. With all due respect, who gives a fuck? You don't play for regular season statistics. You Bruins play, saw that last year. Yeah, you play you play to win Stanley Cups. You play to win the game. Yep. 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 So, okay. So let's say. I'll coach that some meme I saw. (laughs) Let's say Tuka won in either 2013 or 2019. If he has one cup, is that he solidified for sure? Yes. With with the combination of his regular season statistics and bringing the team a Stanley Cup by himself. Yes, he deserves to have his number. I I think so. That's like, fair. So what are we gonna just start raising fucking numbers for for great regular season statistics? Who gives a fuck? I'm I'm more on the side of what you're talking about right now, because you can't just start throwing numbers up like Dude, you can't a, do that. A dangerous game to start playing because listen, yes, say say Austin Matthews for example, like never wins a Stanley Cup, never. Never gets past the second round, but he scores fucking 50 goals a year for, like, again, I just, I'm not saying he didn't have an unbelievable career, but, like, at what point are you going to make, like, you're losing. It loses its, it it loses its value. It actually is to have your number raised to the rafters for a fucking franchise. Yes. Like, again, it, it, like, it, like, it it waters it down a little bit. And it makes everybody else up there a little bit less special. Like, it just, again, like, I don't know. I'm sure there's names that we're forgetting that, like, probably don't deserve to have their numbers retired. But, like, the way that I view it, the way that I view having your number retired, that's, like, the biggest, besides getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, that's one of the biggest honors that you can get as a hockey player. Besides hoisting the Stanley Cup, besides getting nominated to the Hall of Fame, getting your number completely retired from a franchise, like, I, I just, again, at what point it's like, it, it, it kind of has that feel of like everyone gets an award, right? Yeah. Everyone gets something. And it's like, okay, you had great regular season stats. That's all well and great. But you don't play for regular season stats. Right. You play for Stanley Cups. And you know what? If you couldn't get that done, that's something to be said. All right. So l- s- let me ask you this. If you had to pick between the two, Krejci or Tuka? Stats. Because <laughs> yep. listen, Krejci doesn't have the stats. 
necessarily. He does has play. that. He has that solidified cup, though. He has the solidified cup, and he was an instrumental part to winning that cup. He had he in multiple years he he led the playoffs in points, and again, he's not called playoff Krejci for nothing. Right. If I had, if that's I, tough, dude. Listen, if you're retiring, if you're a franchise and you're going to retire a player's number, they would have had to have a huge role in bringing your franchise a championship. Yeah. Right? Do Do we agree there? I, I 100%, think, 100%. Like, again, yeah, you can lead in every fucking statistic. Like, that's great. But, like, I'm going crazy. I might disagree with you, and I might go Tuca. I really might. Listen, but I don't know, dude. It's such a honestly, it is such a coin flip because listen, I don't dis I don't disagree with you at all. I yeah. like no part of me dis disagrees with you. I know we'll probably like probably catch some slack on this because I know there's some you know diehard diehard Bruins fans out there, yeah. but I'm trying to look at it from a non biased Bruin like a non biased hockey fan perspective. Like if I'm on the outside looking in and all I see is great stats and then what's the first thing we're going to look at? Well, how many Stanley Cups? Right? Like, yeah. yeah, he technically has a Stanley Cup, but he doesn't have that without Tim Thomas. He don't. Without Tim Thomas, he has zero. And if, and he, also, has, if he has zero, we're not even having this conversation. And also – uh in that 2011 season, the regular season, Tuca went 11, 14, and two. I think. So not the not the best. Listen, I th I think it's it's an argument worth having. I think it's it is for sure. You know what? If he gets his number retired, if if the Bruins ultimately decide that it's he's worthy enough to have his number retired, I don't think anyone's gonna be like, oh, what the f like. I just right, think, right. I just think you're going down a slippery slope. When you start retiring all these numbers, because again, you're going to fucking run out of numbers. <laughs> like, like, again, especially it takes away from how special the honor is. Like, if you look at the, the players across the league who have their numbers retired, those are like all time greats. I'm sorry, but if you think a top five goaltenders of all time is Tuka in your conversation, like, yeah, I don't. For some people, I don't think of them. Yeah, if you're a Bruins fan, probably right, right. But I think if you ask the average, the hockey, any hockey fan, I can name five that I'd rather have over fucking Tuca. I'm name sorry, him. I'm not, and, I, and, I, and I'm him. not, a, and I'm not a Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur, Dominic Hasek, uh Henrik Lundqvist. Really? You okay? All right. I'm going Hank. Okay, fair. And give me I'm missing someone. Belfour? No. Alright. Who am I missing? Pekka? No. no way, right? Yeah, no way. I'm talking Pecker Pecarine? See, so Tuka might be top five, dude. Well Carrie Price? No. No. Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure. Top. Hold on. I'll I'll give you I'll give you some names. Ryan Miller? No. What about fucking Vasilevsky, dude? <sighs> I 
that's i mean <laughs> that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good list <laughs> again and this is this is just me looking up like top, top holies right yeah i would rather vasilevsky than fucking two I, i'm sorry but i would and I think I think you're a lunatic if you would rather fucking Tuka Rask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shosturkin at this point is pretty good. I'd still take Tuka over Shosturkin, but I would take Tuka over. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but Vassy's Vassy's a good call too. Ken Dryden. Ken Dryden. That's what I was thinking. I'm not Belfour. I was thinking Sawchuk. Dryden. Sawchuk, yeah. Bernie Parent, Jacques Plante. Yeah, but I don't count those guys though. Like what? different eras, uh, different eras, dude. Different... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Either way, like what we're saying is like, too, like. Ooh, here's a here's a good one, dude. Here's a good one. Mark Andre Flurry or Ooh. Tuka. Uh, Flurry has a couple cups. I. Would oh boy, I would. That's a good one, dude. Shit, that's a really good one. I would take, uh, I would take Tuca. I would take Tuca, but Flurry is, dude. That one's fuck. That's close. I don't know. Jonathan Quicker or Tuca. Tuca, Tuca. I would take Tuca over Quick. Flurry, Flurry, and Tuca, I think are like. Comparable. so so similar it's like you could go with either one yeah but is, is, is do you think flurry's getting his number retired by uh pittsburgh maybe honestly maybe that might have been like a backdoor deal that they had when they shipped him off in the uh, expansion they were like hey do this for us and you'll be this up is, in the rafters this is what i'm saying though so if you're saying someone who's won multiple cups who who has all the records if you're yeah. saying debatable maybe Dude, he has multiple cups with Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. and you're yeah. saying maybe take away the the bias lens of being a Bruins fan. Yeah, it's a lot closer than you think. I'm not to mention the Bruins have never retired a, uh, a goalie's number before. See, but that's that. In my opinion, I think that plays into the favor of Tuca. Well, where they're like, we don't even have a goalie retired. Like this guy has been the best goalie statistically for so, the so, team. This is so. This is what you're saying, tech, pretty much. Yeah. Hypothetically. Okay. If if the Bruins have a goalie, say it's, yeah, we'll say Swayman. Okay. Say Swayman breaks all Tuka's records. You have to retire one, right? Yeah. Based if, on, are you goal- saying are you saying with forty being retired? Forty gets retired. Right? 40, 40 is hanging in the rafters. Jeremy Swayman now comes in, breaks all of Tuca's records. He has to get into one retired, right? Has to. And then the next one... Because then otherwise it makes well, no sense that Tuca's retired. So I just think it's a dangerous slope that you're going down mm. being solely based on, well, he has the franchise records. You know what? That's true, especially with goalies too, because if okay, they do yeah. just beat out the other guy's numbers, then you have to put them up. Like, there's no like, choice. You have, and, to. That, and that's the slope you're going down, though. Like the fact that okay, if you're gonna do this, it's not based on Stanley Cups. He has zero. He, he has. He's responsible for it's zero. He has zero Stanley Cups as a starter. Zero, I yeah, you can't argue that he has zero. That, and like again, but that's that's my point. So now 
if you're going to retire 40, you're going solely based on individual statistics, right? So every single time, and I'm not, I don't know how often that's going to happen. None of us do. Right. But based on that logic, you have, you have to retire that number every time someone passes in statistics based on that rationale. Right. Yeah. But how often would a goalie like that come around? We don't know. Who knows? Yeah. None of us. Yeah, I, no, I, I mean, again, it, it's one of those. I can't say for sure. Like neither of us know. <laughs> like again, if you're, that's the slope you're going down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, they have a tough decision to make, dude. And it's going to be an, an awkward conversation too. And I'm glad that neither of us have to have that conversation with them. If it's up to me, 37 for sure. I yeah. don't think anyone is fucking arguing that. 33 for sure. Past yeah. the, like again, his leadership, everything. Bringing that cup, the captain of that cup team. Like, I don't think anyone's arguing that one. I think with 40 and 46, it's at, it's, it's a conversation that has to be had. I don't I don't think it's a, a sure fire. And honestly, with the poll that I put out there, it was very, very mixed. It was yeah. very it was it was almost I'd say 50-50 from reading comments. Yeah. And I saw both sides. Like again, I'm not one of those that'll be like, well, that's a fucking mistake. Like right. I'm just I'm just being devil's advocate. Like, hey, if you if if we do decide to put up these two numbers, this is what you're looking at for future threshold. The way that I think about it too, I try to envision somebody else wearing their number and thinking about how that would affect me as a as a fan and as somebody who watches it. Like if somebody in say two or three years has the number 46 on their back, I'm gonna be like, ooh, like that just doesn't look right. But do you think that has anything? Do you think the fact that you grew up watching this player has anything to do with that? For sure. For sure. A hundred percent. But I mean, this conversation is just so difficult this, dude, this because you know what it is? We're you know at is? four minutes and <clears throat> this is not at all what I thought this, this episode no. And dude, it, we, almost, we almost didn't even talk about crazy we yeah. almost forgot about it completely but i love i love this kind of talk because again yes. not to take away from these guys careers because both are incredible Phenomenal. incredible players and obviously i'll say straight up i love both i'm a fan of both players yeah i'm not a tuka hater i'm not a crazy hater i solely look at it from an unbiased because it's easy to get roped into that, right? It's easy yeah. to get roped into that Bruins fan bias being like, Oh yeah. Every single fucking player that plays for us has to like, I'd like to look at it from an unbiased lens and just say, Hey, I think this is a conversation at least worth having. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think with those two players, it's a surefire number retired. Yeah. And, and the thing is about this conversation too, is there's not a clear correct answer and there's not a clear wrong answer. Right. It's, it's, and that's why you can have this debate forever because you can see both sides and both sides are, 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 are viable. So, yeah. but you got to think too, like the brew, I don't think the Bruins are going to retire 
four people, four players from the same era. They're going to go with the two who meant the most to the organization as a whole. The two guys who changed the culture from being a loser franchise, watching Ray Bork come in and hoist the cup in Boston, winning it with another team. They changed the culture. They brought the winning back. They brought the respect back to Boston and what it meant to be a Bruin. And it's Bergeron and, and Chara at the end of the day, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and again, I want to reiterate that neither of us are Tuca haters, right? Richie haters. That That's not at Love all it. what this conversation is. And that's just what yeah. this is, is a conversation. Right. And I think it, it's interesting to be able to see both sides and be able to – I'm not arguing for one or the other. Like, I, I could fully see both sides happening. And there's rational explanations for both. You think they do? You think they do them on the same night? I think they do Bergeron and Chara on the same night. Oh, and that I would think, be awesome. I think, I think they'll do something special with Chara being the first captain to win the cup, right? Since since those dark days of you know Bruins hockey. Yeah. <laughs> and then Bergeron taking over as the captain. Yeah. I, I think they'll do something special. I don't know exactly what it would be but i think there's a lot of potential there to do something really cool um i think with char was the clear captain of that team but i think bergeron was like a 1a captain does that make sense like yeah Yeah, they were they were co-captains yeah like they you know char wore the c but bergeron was you know a 1a to that to that role so yeah i could definitely see them doing something cool um, there's a lot of potential there, and especially with it being the centennial season, um, I could see them doing something cool. But I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, they're not going to fucking retire like four numbers. Like, what is this? Right. They're not going to do that. You yeah. know what? If we if if we're like three four years down the road, right, and we haven't had anything close to Tuca, like numbers wise, like say, I'm not even going to bring up like Swayman or all. Like again, no one comes close to those numbers. Then yeah, I I think. I think it's fair. Yeah. But like, yeah, you know what? You do that down the line. You don't do that now. Yeah. You you do Bergeron and Charon now because everybody two, knows they're, yeah, they're I, I think those are two just clear cut like numbers that have to go up. No one can wear those again. Yeah. And right. then you know what? Right. If if we're talking three, four years three, four, five years down the road and nothing's happened, the Bruins are back in kind of the dark days of, you know a rebuild and whatever the fuck it may be, then yeah. Okay. We'll have that conversation, but to immediately retire 40 and 46, I just don't agree with to be. Yeah. Honest. There we go. Look, there we go. Yeah. Do Bergeron and Chara now wait for Tuca and Krejci and see I, what happens. I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. perfectly fair. Yep. Um, you know, before we fucking talk another half hour about this shit, <laughs> we probably could, to be honest. Oh, easily. We're going to get into <laughs> We're going to get into our central division uh, predictions. And this one was one of the easier ones that we did. Yep. Um, not really towards the bottom of the standings, but I mean, the top was pretty self-explanatory. Um, do you want to start this one off, Mikey? Sure. Um, it's it's kind of similar in, in a couple ways to how it, it mapped out this season. But in first... I have Dallas. I think they're going to have a better year than Colorado. I think they're going to have a better year than Winnipeg. Um, 
I think Ottinger is going to have an unbelievable season. Obviously, you know, they got studs in, in uh, Robertson. Robertson is a fucking superstar. He is so good. Uh, Rupe Hints underrated. They still have Ben and Sagan, and their back end is good too on D. Colorado, I have second. Obviously, McKinnon, um, Landis Cog, if he can stay healthy. I think their goaltending is a little bit shaky. Obviously, they got the NHL 24 cover star, Kale McCarr on the back end, which we'll get into okay. later. Um, so, obviously, Colorado, no doubt about it. Um, top three finish for sure. I have them in second. Number three, I have Minnesota. Number four, I have Winnipeg. Number five, I've got Nashville. Number six, I have Chicago. I have Chicago at six, beating out Arizona and St. Louis. Um, seven, I have Arizona. Eight, I have St. Louis. I think St. Louis is going to be an abysmal team this year. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And actually, our, our rankings are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one team, I got Colorado. Um, yep. Just, dude, Colorado's Colorado. I mean, right. they're an absolute powerhouse. Um, you mentioned NHL 24 cover uh, cover guy, Kale McCarr. I think he's uh-huh. a huge bounce back year. Um, McKinnon, obviously. Oh, Chris, Chris, you cut out your mic. Uh, your mic cut out. Can you hear me now? My number two team, I have the Dallas Stars. Um, yeah, dude, I, I'm really excited about this team. Um, Rupe Hints, you mentioned Jason Robertson, dude. He's so sick. So sick. Oh, good. Um, you know, our, our buddy, our friend of the show, Logan Stankoven, I think he's going to, I think he's going to, he's going to crack that lineup for sure. Um, Wyatt Johnston, I, the list goes on and on. Um, after I've got Winnipeg, um, Ooh. Yeah, I got Winnipeg. Um, oh no, 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 no. Sorry. No, I got Minnesota. Oh, okay. 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 No, no, no. Sorry. I, I, no, I skipped that one. <laughs> got, um, yeah, dude, I, I love Minnesota's team. I love what they've built there. Um, obviously, Kaprizov is a stud. Matt Boldy, very underrated player in my mind. Um, I think th- I think they're a really good team. What they're building there is they're they're not quite there yet to uh, to call them a, a cup contender, but they're well on their way. Um, they've they've got a rookie coming up, Marco Rossi, who I think yep. is going to be very good this year. Sick, so good, great poise, mm-hmm. great po- 99 poise. Ninety nine poise as a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then after that, I've got Winnipeg. Um, I I like Winnipeg. I know they're kind of in a in a weird spot right now. They just dealt Dubois. Um, if we start seeing them shit the bed, I think we could see them as sellers at like towards the deadline. Um, obviously Mark Shifley's name has been brought up in trade talks. Um, again, like I said, if, if we get closer to the deadline and they're not necessarily in the conversation to, to be a, you know, to, to get a playoff spot, I could see them being sellers again, still a great roster mentioned, you know, Cole Perfetti, Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey is a phenomenal defenseman who is i think is really underrated so he had, underrated he got a he had a great year last year they still have connor hellebuck too yeah um, i mean i mean morrissey was in the norris conversation so 
Yeah, and and honestly, probably could have won it to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, you know, again, he doesn't put up necessarily the offensive numbers that a lot of these guys put up, but he is such a solid defenseman. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's really solid as a you know, a defensive defenseman, but you know, he still puts up pretty good numbers. Um, after Winnipeg, I have Nashville. Yeah. Um, again, I love UC Saros. Um, I don't think he necessarily has the help that that a star goalie should have. I love Roman Yossi, obviously, but I still think that they're a better team than a lot of these teams in this division. Um, I've got Chicago as the next best team. There we go. Yeah. I, I, I just honestly, dude, this, this team, what Davidson has done. Yeah. They're not there yet. They're obviously on paper. They're, a fucking dumpster fire and <laughs> look at their, their four lines and you go, there's no fucking way. But Davidson has a plan, dude, like this, mm-hmm. he's brought in a lot of like veteran talent that I, I really, I, I don't hate their roster. Like obviously you draft Bedard number one overall. Like that's a, that's a franchise fucking player that, that could, that could completely turn around the franchise. You look at a player like McDavid, what he means to, to Edmonton and what he meant when he got drafted, I could see the same exact thing happening in Chicago with Bedard. Yeah. Um, and then not to mention, they also drafted Oliver Moore, who was my, one of my favorite Americans drafted. Yeah. I, and, and he went way lower than I thought he would. And, and I think it might've been the steal of the draft, to be honest. Um, kid is just so talented. Um, See, uh, what I got after that is St. Louis. Um, I mean, St. Louis is St. Louis, man. I, I just, I hate to say it. I, I can't see them being worse than Arizona. <laughs> like, That's fair. That's fair. Like, again, I, I love the fact that Logan Cooley is going to be playing for Arizona. Um, you mentioned, you know, Dylan Genther's on that team. I think he's fucking nasty, dude. He, he's a He's a player that kind of flies under the radar um, with all these young kids coming up. But they're they're not there yet. But give them a few years. Arizona could be could be back. I mean, yeah. I love Logan Cooley. I mean, he was dominant at uh, Minnesota. But I, I don't think it's enough to get them out of the worst position in, in their division. Yeah, I I think I just you know they've been kicked so many times and they're already down. I wanted to give them a little bit of hope. But, I, I, but the other thing is too, like I just I look at St. Louis's roster and I'm like, oh my god, like this is yeah. this is disastrous. You know, you know who's a guy on St. Louis that I kind of want to bring up that I that I don't think gets enough attention is is Braden Shen. Yep. yep. I love Braden Shen, dude. I, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's just the fact that he's so gritty and just such a good leader. He can put the puck in the net. I he's a guy I would love to see the Bruins get. I, I don't think it'll ever happen. But I just think he is like your prototypical Bruin, dude. Like, I think he'd be a fan favorite here. For sure. And I, I you look at it, dude, if St. Louis is completely out of the running and Bruins are kind of a borderline playoff team at that point, why not, dude? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm out of pocket saying that. But, like, I, I think it would be at least worth looking at. You know, I, I don't know his contract situation, but I, I just think the way that he plays the game, he'd be a fan favorite here in Boston. And he's like the prototypical playoff player too. 
you know, like you were saying, gritty, like in your face hockey. Yeah. He might not, he might not put up like astronomical numbers in the regular season, but we talked about that for a half an hour in that last conversation. Like, yeah. it's not all about regular season numbers. You know, what can you do for us when the game gets harder? Yeah, and you know what that you don't really need him to do that though. I mean, if you're right. if you're committed to putting Pavel Zaka as your one C, why not slide a Braden Shen as your two C and, and let Coyle go back to where he's comfortable at three C. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's yeah. you're not necessarily paying the price of a one C, but you're getting, you know, a very solid two C. I think, I mean, he, he's going to be a one C for St. Louis for sure. I mean, yeah. You and I would, you and I would be a one C there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I look at, you know, I look at St. Louis. I, I really like Robert Thomas. Um, you know, I, I think he's a really special player. Um, another one that kind of flies under the radar. Yeah. I we'll, we'll see. I mean, this division was pretty easy towards the top. You know, I think it those, was the bottom. That was hard. Yeah. The, the bottom in the middle hard. And um, like, again, you have all these teams like in rebuild mode, like this, this upcoming draft is just as loaded as this year. So I don't know. You have you have three teams towards the bottom that could definitely compete for that number one pick. Um, you know, between Celebrini and Iserman, but yeah. who knows? I mean, who knows? I, I, I even Nashville could. We don't know what what Nashville is going to be. Right, Nashville is such a wild card. Like, who yeah. knows what their season is going to be like? Yeah, and obviously they moved Duchesne. Like, yeah. Who knows? We don't really know what direction they're they're taking. Um, I don't think they know. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so either. But um, I think this was one of the easier divisions. This was obviously the last division that we had to predict. I think this was one of the easier ones that we. Yeah, got to yeah, uh, I agree. I think it's the worst division in hockey um, between St. Louis, Arizona, Chicago, and Nashville. I mean, that's that's half the division that could fall in the top ten picks of the draft this year. Yeah. So. Yeah, not would, not a not an elite division by any means. No, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, dude. Other you know other big news this week, NHL twenty four. Yes, I am so fucking amped, dude. I dude, it looks good. I already pre-ordered. I did too. It looks good. I go. Yeah, we're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it looks unbelievable. Like, you know the new the new mechanics with with the hitting. I know Al Pacino is going to be all over that. You know, he's going to be sending people to the fucking nosebleeds. And, like, again, just everything, dude, the reverse, it just looks phenomenal. Yeah, I mean. Like they really took the they really took the negativity that users had towards NHL 23 and, like, really made an effort to, like, improve the gameplay. I would, like, it's, I think it's been just mainly negative, um, um negative um what am i looking for negative negative like thoughts jesus christ yeah feedback thank you that was the exact word i was looking for had a brain fart but it's been negative feedback since like nhl 20 and it's been a couple years now that they've been just getting hammered with with you know from all the fans and i think that they took the time this year and they really took the input of everybody who plays the game into consideration finally and we we get crossplay, so we can now now we can take down the only Bruins boys because they've been talking nothing but trash. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it shouldn't be. I told them nice easy four game sweep. Maybe we'll give them one gentleman sweep. Yeah. But um, yeah, we got crossplay now. 
Um, obviously, there's a new user goalie interface too, which yeah. makes which makes it so much better. I think because when you played a user goalie in in that game, you would score like eight or nine goals a game. It was so frustrating to be a goalie, but they fixed that up a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. I think there's over 50 new save animations from goalies. There's goalie fatigue. There's a pressure system in the offensive and defensive zone. Yeah. Um, you know, like you mentioned, new hit animations, you can break the glass, you can send players into the boards. Yeah. Um, there's new, there's a new passing interface too. I'm excited. It's going to be a ton of fun and the cover athlete, Kale McCarr. I love it. I love it. I- I wanted to ask you about that. Do you think? Do you think they got it right here with uh, with Kale? Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I kind of wanted to see them do something similar to what they did with 2023, where they had Sarah Nurse and uh, Zegras on. And it, I wanted something like. Don't get me wrong. Kale McCarr on the cover is great, and I love it. The the action shot is sick. But if they could have added like Hillary Knight and Matt Kachuk. Like that would have been a sick cover, or if you had the Kachuk brothers, like that would have been insane too. Yeah, you know, I was I was scrolling through um, TikTok, and I was watching uh, Mike Bartner. I don't know if you follow him. The he makes awesome ranking like animations and everything, like ranks like cover athletes and ranks like positions and ranks like, and he kind of brought it up to the fact where. You didn't have Kale McCarr on the cover when his Norris year. Right. He had a significant down year this year. And all of a sudden you're going to like put him back on. Like, I don't disagree with the decision. Like, obviously he's one of the top defensemen. Just the timing of it kind of didn't really make sense. Like, I think a player like Jack Hughes would have made sense. Like, more sense. Ooh, like, Jack Hughes would Yeah. Duck. Yeah. Even pasta dude. Like, I, I don't know. I just the timing of it just seemed a little weird. Like I obviously again, I don't disagree with the decision. I think Kale was more than deserving of being the cover athlete. I think the timing of it, it just seems in past years it's been like players who have had like significantly like very good years. Yeah. You know. Um what was I gonna say? It's and with Mac like Mac Kachuk would have made a lot of sense. He was yeah. the face of the NHL for the entire playoff run. Yeah. Like, for two or three months, Matt Kachuk was everywhere. He was on NBA TNT, um, NBA TNT broadcast with Shaq and um, Charles Barkley, and, and they were yeah. talking. Like, that would have made a lot of sense in terms of marketing. Is Kachuk the, one of the better – like, well, let me backtrack. Is Kachuk one of the best players skill-wise in the NHL? Probably not. Is Makar? Yes, but I mean, I I, I like the Makar cover. Um, you're right; it is a little bit weird timing wise, but I, I mean, I think they did a phenomenal job with the artwork. Again, yes, it just yes. it looks. I'm more of a fan of like the action cover. I liked last year the kind of like the out of uniform. I thought it was a cool concept. Yeah, me personally, I rather the like action game shot. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I would too. I would too. Makes sense. It makes better sense for the game covers. Like, I'm I'm happy overall with it. Um, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I'm I'm so fucking excited for it. Yeah, dude, I'm pumped up. I can't wait to. I'm gonna. There, I'm, there's going to be so many hours spent sitting on my ass in my room just playing this game. Yeah, you. Well, you and I are going to be counting down the minutes until that thing's released, and then we're going to be on there. Like, I already know firing up a dynasty. 
Oh my god, immediately. Yeah. Immediately. I'm just looking for poise. That's all I care about is poise. Yeah. <laughs> all I care about. <laughs> Speaking of poise, uh we're gonna be uh we're gonna be live tonight. I don't well this episode will be dropping after, but we'll mention it anyways. Yeah. Um every Thursday, the Something Bruin podcast joined by myself, Nick Tedisco, and Connor is it Walker? Yep, Connor Walker. Yeah. So much fun. If you guys have the opportunity to uh to join us, like to just watch, it's just such a clown show. Like yeah. again, we just all cry laughing the entire time. So we usually uh <laughs> what time are we gonna be streaming? Uh we usually start at eight o'clock. So eight o'clock sharp, we'll go on EASHL, we'll start streaming, and then uh yeah, you just gotta join. You can hop in the chat, just talk shit, and you know, crack up with us. So yeah, um, so we got that, and then also our YouTube is now up and fully running um, at Drop Metaki. Um, we've got every single episode posted up on there, starting with uh, the inaugural episode, um, the Billy Jaffe episode, Zach Benson, Mark McLaughlin. Um, got all those guys on there. So if you have the chance, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Drop Metaki. Going to be starting uh, to post some shorts on there, some clips from uh, – our favorite clips from these interviews because we've we've got some good ones coming up, man. And, we have a we have a good one coming on this on this yeah, episode. And, uh, yeah, so this this past uh, or this this most recent interview, Mike Hardman, um, local kid, just so funny, man. Like today was it, it was one of the most fun interviews that I've done. Um, just the stories this kid had, it just so humble. Um, so funny, man. Like I, I, I just was kind of thrown off by just like how how down to earth this kid was, and just it's so funny. So he he's got a really funny story with uh, about his one of his first NHL shifts with uh, Keith Keith Yandel, um, and it had me in tears laughing. So it, it's something you guys don't want to miss. Um, so again, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Drop Mitts Hockey. Um, you can follow myself. Um, at Drop Mitts Hockey, and then my buddy at um, Mike Sullivan, and at Bruin Something for their that's your Twitter, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. So give them a follow. Um, we're in partnership with uh, Primetime Productions, so go ahead and give any of the any of our uh, our friends over at Primetime a uh, a follow. Got some awesome podcasts that we're all you know kind of rooting for, and and. Uh, yeah, just happy to be a part of the team, and uh, thanks, guys. Hey, hey, let's get into this interview, dude. I, I uh, actually, when this one was recorded, I was working, so I've I've heard you talk all about it. Um, and and so <laughs> I'm I can't wait to listen to it. Um, I got a little sneak preview on some of the stories, but but I can't wait to hear the rest of it, dude. So yeah, you know, and he's a you know he's a name that probably. You know, here locally, you probably heard of. Obviously, he's a he's a BC kid. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, played on a line with Matt Boldy and uh, Alex Newhook. Decent just, players. Yeah, they're okay. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how their poise is, but. <laughs> well, Hardman has the highest poise. That's yeah, Hardman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, <laughs> just just so funny, man, and it, it was just a really you know I guess refreshing interview. Just tons of fun laughing the whole time so uh without further ado here is uh mike hardman thanks guys
Welcome back to episode eight of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast. We are with Chicago Blackhawks forward Mike Hardman. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Can't thank you enough for coming on. And uh, yeah, how's the off season going? What What have you been up to? And uh, you know, how, how's it How's it been going? It's been good. I got back. Uh, I'd say probably like middle of May and uh, renting a place in South Boston this summer and. Uh, been, uh, you know, just working out and skating, playing a little bit of golf. So I uh, can't complain at all. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I feel like I got back like uh, a week ago. And now I'm going back in two weeks, leaving to go to Chicago September 3rd. So, um, yeah, it's pretty nuts how the summer flies by. But I've definitely uh, enjoyed it so far. Yeah, it's it's. I had to look at the calendar again and be like, holy shit. It's like <laughs> yeah. middle, of, middle of August already. Yeah. What like what's your off season routine look like? Um, as far as like on ice work, um, uh, work like in the gym. What? What's yeah. Um. So basically, um, I usually like to take like a week to probably like a week uh to two weeks off of just no hockey, no working out when the season's over. And uh, this summer I took just a week off. Um, where I just didn't really do anything. Just got home kind of hung out with buddies, uh, saw family and friends. And then uh, after we could just was working out. Um, and then um, I'd say probably like right around like middle of June to end of June, I started skating. And um, no, I, I mean, probably, I mean, probably not like skating like a ton at that, at that time of the summer, cause it's still pretty early. But um, once I started working out, it's like five times a week. I've been working out with uh, Dan and Thomas Boothby uh, and hang a master. Uh, um, the Northeastern uh, hockey strength coach. I've been working out with uh, with those two guys for probably, I think it's been like eight summers. Um, you know, I think uh, being a Hanover guy, the gym's pretty close to where I grew up. So just uh, been working out with them and they've done a great job for, for my career. And, um, and yeah, so for skating wise, I think there's so many guys in the Boston area, um, you know, that spend the off season here. So it's so easy Um you know, for, for a pro to kind of find skates. And, uh, you know, I've been skating over at uh, BU. Um, you know, a lot of pro guys have been skating over there. Um, to, let's mean, I actually just, just got home from the skate. It's been a, there's a ton of NHL guys there. So it's, uh, it's, it's nice to kind of compete against other guys around the league and uh, just to get ready for camp. Yeah. So you've been skating in that three on three um, tournament yeah. there as well. Uh-huh. I went a few weeks back and I was texting you about how crazy it is how yeah. those guys are, you know, playing, you know, you especially mm-hmm. just how big you guys are and then being able to have that much skill with that, you know, a smaller amount of ice. Yeah, I know. It's a competition, dude. Yeah, it's definitely a fun league. I think that league started, I'd say this is probably like the third, the third summer. But um, yeah, I mean, and maybe it's, it's great because there's so many um, NHL guys that, that uh, go out there and play. It's actually a lot of fun, but uh yeah, it's great. You see all like the little kids uh, that come and, you know, a bunch of people come out and just watch. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great little league there. And um, yeah, it's definitely, it's actually, it's pretty good for your development too, just to be able to make plays in tight areas. And, um, but yeah, I know there's, you definitely can't hide in a, in a skate like that. Like if you get, if you get burnt, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty ugly. So uh, no, I mean, it's definitely a fun league and I think the, the playoffs start next week. So I think it's the semifinals and then the following week's the finals. So we're, uh, we're playing. So hopefully we, we go all the way there. Yeah. How's your squad looking for the playoffs? 
We actually we got we got we got smoked last week, uh, and we were all kind of joking around after. We we're like, "That's not a great look going into the playoffs." So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's we actually we, I think we've only lost one game the whole summer, and it was last week. So uh, we were going for an undefeated season, but it just didn't didn't work out. But uh, who are the I guys think- on your team? There there were some I didn't recognize. I didn't really. Yeah. I yeah, uh, a bunch of um, a bunch of Rhode Island guys. Uh, so um, Dennis Zazana, kind of, um, he plays for Charlotte Checkers, uh, Florida's AHL team, and um, he kind of just texted me over the summer and it was like, "Hey, you want to play on the team?" And we're, we're uh, pretty good buddies. We grew up playing with each other. So it's uh, me, Denny, Dom Franco, who plays for the Chicago Wolves in the American League, and then um, there, I mean, there's a couple guys that are coming in and out. I know like Mark McLaughlin, who you guys had on, was on our team one week. Uh, Johnny Beecher, who's uh, obviously a Bruins first rounder, was on our team one week. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple Rhode Island guys that have been kind of switching in and out, but um, you know, it's pretty crazy. I feel like everyone wants to play in that league, so it's not hard to not hard to find guys. So. Yeah, it's so like once I saw that roster, I mean, I I didn't know anything about it. I know it's been a couple years in the running. Yeah, uh, been going on, and I looked at the roster. I was like, holy shit! Like the amount of just how skilled all you guys are just the, how loaded those rosters are it was unbelievable hockey to watch yeah no it's it's a lot of fun like i was saying before i mean it's just uh you know i mean and, and you're playing against all your buddies and you know, we were like most guys are working out together or skating together so uh i know it's pretty fun and uh definitely definitely have some bragging rights on the table uh for this championship coming up yeah man uh do you so do you hang out with uh, any of those guys golf with them at all or um yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, um, I mean, obviously, I played hockey at um, at BC with Mark. Actually, like, Mark's like one of my one of my best friends. I grew up, literally, I grew up playing with Mark since we were probably, I don't know, eight or nine years old. Um, and I, I definitely wanted to bring this up on the show because I know you had him on before. But it's pretty crazy. Look, like looking back on it, like I know when he signed with the Bruins, like we were talking and. Um, it feels like yesterday we were playing in these summer hockey tournaments together and, uh, we were like literally nine, 10 years old. And now, um, we were playing at BC together and now, you know, we signed, signed pro and hopefully I haven't played against him pro yet. So hopefully we play against each other next year. But, um, no, I mean, it's, it's just pretty crazy playing against, uh, these guys. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, like in that league, I think it's like new hooks played. He's one of my good buddies too. Um, I didn't really know Beecher that well before the summer, but he's living in Boston. So I've been hanging out with, with him a good amount. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone, I mean, we're either working out skating or, you know, you're playing golf with your buddies. Um, so, I mean, it's just, I mean, those guys, like most of like my handover buddies, they're, um, you know, working nine to five jobs. So it's pretty, pretty tough to kind of, um, ask a guy to like play golf at, you know, 1 PM where he's, when he's working like on a weekday. So, um, you're usually playing golf and hanging out with uh, hockey guys like during the week, and then on the weekends you're hanging out with your, you know, your hometown buddies, or whatever. But uh, I mean, that's why I think Boston's a a great city to live in in the summer because there's so many um, hockey guys that are kind of training around here. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you, you know, like you and Mark obviously grew up together and kind of uh-huh. known each other so long. Obviously, you guys took different routes with yeah. Cushing and Winchin in school. Uh-huh. Uh, did you guys ever get to play against each other, like in high school, like when you were yeah, at we against each other? Uh, so my Mark Mark did three years at Cushing. I did two years at Winchin. And I I went in um, to Winch uh, as a junior, and he went to Cushing. I think as a sophomore. 
Um, so I played against Mark twice in, in high school. And uh, I remember my junior year, they they beat us by one goal. It was a really good game. And then my senior year, we tied. We, like, went to overtime, but no one scored. So it resulted in a tie. But, um, yeah, it was it – was, those were great games because – Obviously, Cushing was our was our rival. So, like, basically both schools are at the game. So, it's like a sold-out rink. And uh, I think for, like, a prep school game to be sold out, it's it's pretty insane. And um, it was a really special two games to play in. Um, but, yeah, he uh, he was at Cushing for three years. And then uh, I actually played against him in the USHL as well. And then um, he was actually a big reason why I chose BC. Um I actually stayed with him on, on my official visit and uh, him and another guy, uh, Patrick Giles, who plays for Charlotte, um, Florida's AHL team. Uh, he, they were like <clears throat> kind of showing me around and, uh, you know, Mark, I think was just huge. He was telling me about like the whole program and showing me all the ins and outs of the campus and the hockey facilities and stuff. And I think just being able to kind of pick it, pick his brain about it. Cause like he was a guy I kind of grew up with and I wasn't really scared to ask him any questions and, um, so I, I mean, he always says like, he, he always jokes around and says, oh yeah, I was the reason why I'm part of the reason why you came to BC. And it's actually like kind of true. Cause like he was, he loved it his freshman year. And, um, you know, I kind of took, took his word on it and I absolutely loved BC too. So I can't thank him enough. And he was a great captain. Um, my sophomore year, he was the captain and he was awesome. Like great leader, um, works it works his butt off every single day um he's great with the younger guys so yeah um, yeah so that was uh pretty cool to be able to play play with him in college were there any other schools in the mix or was it once you you know once you went to bc and and had that you know that tour yeah. were there any other schools uh in the mix yeah so i actually um i narrowed it down to bc and bu uh my actually my grandfather played hockey at bu and I was a huge BU fan growing up, like the biggest BU. I would go to all the Beanpot games, hockey's games. And um, <clears throat> so when when everyone kind of heard that that uh, I was choosing between BC and BU, everyone's like, oh, he's, he's, he's definitely going to BU. Like his grandfather went there. Like he's, he was a huge BU fan growing up. And, um, you know, it's pretty crazy. Like I, I was playing in the BCHL that year. I flew to, uh, to Boston on like a Monday – and I was at BC for two days and then BU for two days. And um, I had toured BC first and I never like ever in my life, I never went to BC. I never went to BC ever. Like I was always um, going to like BU games. Like I said before, I was, I, I mean, I never really saw BC's campus or anything. And I stepped foot on campus and I was like, this is like unreal. Like I, I think it was just like one of those things where you talk to people, they're like, you're going to know where you want to go. And when I stepped foot on BC, I remember uh, touring, touring around with, like, Coach York and um, Coach Brennan Buckley and Mike Ayers, and I was just like, this is this is where I want to go. I mean, it's, like, in – it's obviously in Boston. You have a, a campus right there, and you have, like, downtown Boston right there as well. So um, I was a prep school guy, so I kind of wanted to be um, on a campus. But, uh, you know, I obviously toured BU after, and – I think a lot of people were shocked. Um, yeah, I think even like Coach York was like, I remember like him being like, "We know your grandfather went to BU, but like we we really want you to come." So I mean, he he was even like he was pumped because uh, he thought I was probably gonna go to BU. So I mean, it was uh, you know I think just touring both schools. I think my my parents were 
after it, they they toured it with me and they kind of just said to me like, um, if if you got hurt day one of college your freshman year and you couldn't play hockey again, where would you want to go? And right away I was like BC, and that, that was just because like the campus is is so it's just beautiful and uh, I mean even just um, you know walking around it's just it's just a great place to go to college and uh, I think it was kind of a no brainer for me. Yeah, I've heard unbelievable things about that school. Just yeah. I have never actually been on the campus, but I've heard how like beautiful it is. Uh, uh-huh. And just yeah. So you know, you brought up Coach York. Um, what was it like playing for that legend, dude? Like <laughs> everyone, everyone that I've talked to just has like unbelievable stories about him. Yeah. We, you mentioned, you know, we had Mark on, and he had nothing uh-huh. awesome, awesome things oh, yeah. about him. What was it like playing for him? Yeah, he's the best. Like he. Um... I think the biggest thing with him um, that I love about him is like he would recruit like obviously awesome hockey players, but he would recruit like great guys. Like um, I think like my two years at BC, like both teams were probably uh, the closest teams I've ever been on. I think especially my sophomore year, like my sophomore year team, like I've, I don't think I'll ever be on a closer team ever in my life. Like they, we, we still talk to this day all the time. Um, and I think just him bringing in like a great group of guys, like he, he'd rather, uh, you know, just a great human being on the team rather than like a good hockey player that doesn't care about his teammates. Like he wants good, good guys, um, you know, on his team. And that was great. But also like he just like, I think the biggest thing with him too is like, I remember going into my freshman year, um, I went to Bruins development camp and, I, he was there one of the days and after I was talking to him and he was like, Hey, like, uh, you know, I liked a couple of those drills out there. Like, can you like write them down and like, uh, you know, give it to me for practice this year. And in the back of my head, I'm like, this guy's like been coaching forever. Like he, like he definitely has a bunch of drills, but like, that's just like him. Like he, he constantly wants to get better. Yeah. Um, he constantly wants to be a better coach and he wants to like improve and stuff. And like, the guy's won a bunch of national championships. He's in the Hall of Fame. Like he just right. uh, that was the coolest thing about him was like he he wanted to get better every single day. He wanted to win. Um, and you know, I think with him was like if you won a game, he was so pumped, like so happy, smiling. Uh, I remember we we uh, we played UMass Lowell on a Friday my freshman year. We beat him at um, at Lowell, and then we played BU on a Saturday, and we beat BU like three to two. And uh, it was like a nail biter. Like they pulled their goalie, like in like the last minute, they almost scored, but we ended up winning. And they he came in like with a broom, like sweeping, sweeping it around. Like he was so fired up. Like he, he just like, uh, he just loves winning. Like, I mean, it was, it was great. So, I mean, uh, I was fortunate to be on two great teams there. And um, he was just, he was the best. He was the best coach. And I, I really can't say anything bad about him. Like he was, he was great for my career. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, and like like I said, everyone we talk to that's played for him has uh-huh. but good things to say. Yeah. You know how great of a mentor he was. Uh-huh. Just honestly, how how funny he was too. Like, oh, and yeah. and as, for like the normal fan, you wouldn't really see that. Like, you uh-huh. just see him like on the bench, just like kind of. <laughs> yeah. nervous, but it's uh-huh. it's good to see like so many people enjoyed playing for him. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and and also BC being in the Hockey East, you got to play in the Bean Pod tournament. Uh-huh. Uh, for our listeners that aren't from Massachusetts and don't really understand what that tournament is about, can you talk to us about what it was like playing in the bean pot? Yeah, um, it was 
it was probably uh, it was probably one of the coolest games I've ever had, I've ever played in. And we played so my freshman year, uh, we played BU in the first game. Uh, still, still heartbroken over it. It was uh, we played them, and it was like the second the second game on the first Monday, and um, it was literally literally sold out. Like we sold out TD Garden, and because uh, usually, like being a mascot, like you kind of know like. The first game on the first Monday, it'll be like not really that packed. And then by the end of it, it'll, it'll get kind of packed because people get out of work and stuff. And then the second game is usually like sold out. So we played BU that first uh, first Monday. We ended up losing in double overtime. It was a great game. Um, but it was just like a dream come true. Like I was just uh, a guy like that would go to every Beanpot game with my with my dad growing up. And um, I would we would always stay for, the, for both games because like we just loved watching it. And uh, I think like – my dad and I, we, we would go to college hockey. We'd actually rather watch college hockey games than NHL games, like, growing up. We thought that was, like, way better. We'd go to every, like, BU game, like, every Friday night, and we'd watch at Aganis. It was, like – we just thought it was, like, better hockey. It was kind of kind of funny looking back on it now, but it was uh, – but, yeah, playing the, in the bean pot that year, it was uh, – obviously, it was tough not winning, but, like, looking back on it, it was just, like, a great experience. And then – the second Monday we played Harvard. I think we beat them like seven, seven to one or something. Um, there was like nobody there, which which was tough, but because uh, it wasn't the championship game. But um, but no. And then my sophomore year it was uh, the COVID year, so we didn't get to play in it. But um, I'm just really, really fortunate to be able to play uh, in those two games, and the, especially that BU game because that was like, you know, you never know if you're ever going to play in the Garden ever again, and to have it be sold out it was just something something really special yeah those legit are my favorite games to go to you bring yeah. up, you bring up like pro games versus college and uh-huh. I, you're you're a few years younger than me and i yeah. remember me and my old man we used to go i still remember watching johnny hockey and oh, yeah. Ryder, uh uh-huh. you know playing uh, at b uh bc and just how unbelievable they were i mean it yeah, was great such good hockey dude and i still to yeah. that love watching watching the college <laughs> Um, so after BC, you uh, you went to Des Moines, Iowa. Um, was after, it, was after, it, after where was it Des Moines? So that was I went to after Winch. I went to Des Moines. Yeah. So yeah, yeah what was it like playing in Iowa, dude? <laughs> it was uh, oh man, it was so that was crazy because those two years of juniors, like you think of like Des Moines, Iowa, and you think of. Kelowna and British Columbia, there's like two different yeah. places. Like Kelowna, like people think Kelowna is like one of the most beautiful places in the world. And then uh, Des Moines, Iowa actually gets a bad rep, but it's actually not. Like, Des Moines actually is probably a top five USHL city compared to the other mm-hmm. cities. Like, I mean, you think of like Cedar Rapids, Iowa, or like Muskegon, or um, those cities. Like, I'd much rather play in Des Moines, Des Moines, but like, I think the like I wasn't ready to go to college after my my senior year of, of prep school. Like I was just, and I, I think most guys aren't. Like I think it was just like uh, I knew I had to play at least one or two years of juniors to go to college. Um, at the time, I was committed to Union College in in prep school, and there uh, I, I mean I was talking to a lot of BCHL teams, and then uh, Des Moines drafted me in the second round, and you know the, the coach kind of. The coach Dave Allison, um, who I love, he was great, great for me. He was 
um, kind of convinced me to go out there. And it was, I mean, we were, we were terrible that, that year, but like, it was great for me to kind of play, um, that year because it was a, it was a long year. We, we weren't good. And I mean, I was playing like second line basically the whole year and I was playing a good amount. Um, and I kind of, I just kind of to go through like ups and downs. That was kind of the, I mean, like I've obviously went through that stuff like growing up, but in the USHL, like you're playing 60 games where like in growing up, you're only playing like 20, 30. So like the season's kind of quick, but in the USHL, like you're, you're living away from home. You're living with a bill of family. Um, you're ba- I, I didn't know one guy on the team going in. So I'm like, this is, I, I mean, this is going to be nuts, but, um, but yeah, it was just great for me to like on and off the ice to kind of go through that experience. And then, um, you know, at the end of the year, um, they kind of brought in new new ownership and they fired like all the the like they fired the GM, the coach, and everything. And I I, I just didn't really know what to do at that point. Where I, I called Union and I was just like, "Can I? Do you think I can go to the BCHL?" And they're like, "Yeah, absolutely. If you want to go." Um, so that was kind of crazy because the new coach in Des Moines is trying to get me to stay, but I I really just wanted to to kind of go out to Kelowna. Kelowna, um, a bunch of Boston guys played there before the year before when I was in Des Moines, like guys like Mike Lombardi, RJ Murphy, Mike Ryan, uh, just talking to all those guys. And they're like, dude, you, you got to go. Like it's great experience, great hockey. So I ended up going out there and I absolutely loved it. Like my billets were awesome. Um, I lived in a great house, um, great family. And then, um, uh, just like the guys on that team that year were great too. Like we were a really good team. Um, and we were a pretty tight group. So it was, it was great. I think when you're in juniors, like you, you're like, you're so, you're just so like, um, kind of like excited to get to college, which like, obviously you should be because college is great. But, um, looking back on it, like you're playing hockey and you're not going to school. It's like, it's great. It's in like, it, it's great, especially in Kelowna. Cause like, there's so much stuff to do around there. Like, um, and like, I mean, that's what everybody says in college or like, you don't really understand like how like great junior ho- junior hockey is, uh, because everyone's just so excited to go to college. But, um, no, I really enjoyed my, my two years of juniors and, um, no, I mean, I, I, I was kind of a late bloomer where I had, uh, I had to play two years and, um, I think that second year I, I just gained so much confidence playing in the BCHL and, um, you know, I mean, it was, I'm pretty pretty happy I did that because I kind of was able to commit to BC that year and um, and yeah I mean it was it was just a great opportunity for me to go play out there yeah was it like a huge culture shock when you got to you know we mentioned Iowa uh-huh being a mass kid like how much of a culture shock was it when you got there and you're just like what in the fuck yeah like, it was uh it was nuts I remember just like going out there and um, with my mom and my mom came out there and I got, I mean, like my grandparents are from like Ohio from like the Midwest. So I wasn't like, I mean, like a lot of kids like go from Boston to Iowa and they don't even know what the Midwest is. So I kind of like knew a little bit about it. Um, but I was just like, it was just a culture shock. Like I remember showing up and like parking my car, like on the side of the road, like, like in front of like my billet house. And I parked it like the wrong way where like in Boston, you can park it like wherever way you want. And they're like, you like, what are you doing? And I was just like, what, like what okay i had like i had no idea like so i'm just a boston guy that you know that's yeah. like normal in boston so um 
yeah, I think, I mean, just like living away from home too, it's just so different. Like, I mean, I was living away from home in prep school, but that's way different. Like you're living with like a, a family you've never met before. And, um, you really just like, I mean, I was, I think I'm, I was a little immature going in. Um, and I really just like, just, I lived with two great families and I, I matured a lot, I, I think, in those two years. And I think a lot of kids that go away to um, these build families, like they, they kind of just mature a lot. Cause I mean, you're, you're living with a random family. You're kind of on your best behavior at all times. And um, no, I mean, it was just, it was great for me. And like, I still keep in touch with like both families and, and uh, yeah, actually um, the, the Wormers, the family I lived with in Des Moines. Uh, we played Minnesota this year. They actually watched the game. So that was pretty cool. Like they came awesome. to Minnesota to watch. So, but yeah, there was, there's um, yeah. Even like just the restaurants in Des Moines too. It was just, I mean, like in Kelowna, um, Boston pizza is a huge like chain there. Yeah. And, like it's, I, it's not that good. And they were like, you don't like it. Like you're literally from Boston. It's like, man, like there's no Boston pizzas in Boston. Like, you don't, like there's none of those. There's none of those. It's like, they, it's just a culture shock. People think just because you're from Boston, you're going to love Boston pizza. And it's, you're like, no, it's not. That's not how it works. So uh, there's just little stuff like that, that kind of people have like no idea about, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so after, you know, after your BC, I messed up the, you know, the year when you went. <laughs> yeah, all good. That up. Um, obviously, you signed with Chicago. Mm -hmm. What was that process like as a free agent? Uh, yeah. Were there any other teams in the mix? And then what about Chicago, like, really, like, intrigued you? Mm -hmm. um, what, what about that city uh, did you like so much? Yeah, it was it was a hard decision because, like, like I said, like I, I loved BC and to this day it was probably the hardest decision of my like I ever made in my life. It was just um you, know, you grew up like dreaming about playing in the bean pod and all these all these games at BC and then you um you have a couple of teams calling you and uh they're they're willing to give you NHL games after uh after your season's over at BC. So that was uh pretty crazy, but um I think it, it really came – there was um, a good amount of teams that were in the mix, but um, me and my agent, uh, Jerry Buckley, and my and my family kind of sat down and we kind of narrowed, narrowed – like just narrowed it down. But we narrowed it down to uh, Chicago and Pittsburgh. Uh, I think just looking at Pittsburgh, like they, they love free Asian guys. You look at like guys like, like Connor Sheary and guys like Drew O'Connor and – they, you know, they bring in so many free agent guys from college and like those guys like play, like they, they really don't care. Um, you know, if you're a first rounder or free agent, like the best players play, but um, Chicago was kind of like, since my freshman year, um, they were always kind of like in the mix. Like then they wanted me to go to their development camp after my freshman year. Um, but I mean, it was canceled because of the co like because uh, uh, of COVID and stuff, but um, they were always kind of in the mix talking to me and, uh, there's a scout, Mike Donahue. He's, a, he's actually a, a Boston guy, and uh, he was he was great. He was just um, talking to me all the time. But I think the biggest thing with uh, with my decision was, you know, Chicago. They didn't really have a lot of guys that that played like like my style. Um, you know, I think just being a big power forward, physical guy. Like at the time, they didn't really have a lot of guys that that kind of played like that. And uh, where like most of their guys were kind of 
smaller skill guys. Um, so, I mean, I was kind of thinking like, oh, if I go in there, like they're, I mean, like you look at all these NHL teams, they need, you need like role players. You need guys that will play a, a third, fourth line role. And, um, you know, I was kind of saying to myself, like, I think, uh, you know, there's not a lot of guys that play like my style in Chicago. So that's kind of how I narrowed it down uh, to them. And uh, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Like I got to um, sign the contract like in the house I grew up in, in Hanover and I had a bunch of, uh, you know, family and friends there. And then uh, literally that night I, uh, I drove to Chicago with my dad because of like the whole COVID thing. I couldn't fly because if they're like, if you fly, you have to sit out like 14 days or quarantine. Yeah. Where if you drive, you only have to sit out like five to seven. So I'm like, okay, like I'll drive. It's only like a, a 15 hour drive. So me and my dad drove overnight. My dad drove. So I was like kind of sleeping the whole way, which wasn't bad. And then um, we got to Chicago and my dad actually flew out that morning. And that was pretty tough though. Cause I was like sitting in a hotel room for, I think it was six days by myself. And anyone that knows me, I'm that's, not up my alley at all. Like I, I love being around uh, people at all times and I can never really be by myself. So that was brutal. Um, but I remember just going to pra- practice and like meeting all the guys. It was like, it was crazy meeting guys like Patrick Kane and um, you know, Alex Brinkett, all those guys. It was, it was nuts. And, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a whirlwind. Uh, those two weeks were, were pretty crazy. Yeah. That was actually one of my next questions. Like, what, what was it like? Like, what was going through your mind when you're meeting guys like Kane, like to bring it, like Taves? Like, what's going through your mind? Like, are you starstruck? Like, oh, yeah. Big yeah. Time. I was starstruck that whole whole time I was I was there. Like, I was there for probably, I'd say, like, probably a month. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember the first day, like, meeting all those, all those guys. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, I grew up watching the guy like Patrick Kane, like, winning cups and scoring huge goals and especially like uh winning the cup versus the Bruins in 2013 like so that was uh it was pretty crazy just meeting all those guys and um I mean I was starstruck for sure I mean you you look at these guys and like they're future hall of famers so it was uh it was crazy but I think uh once you settle in and you start playing then it kind of it kind of goes away but um yeah it was pretty pretty nuts how like probably two or three weeks before that I was watching those guys on TV in my dorm room at BC. And now I'm like shaking hands with them and like, just like talking. So it was, just, it was a crazy, uh, crazy two weeks. That's for sure. Yeah. So speaking of Kaner, talk, talk yeah. to us about your first goal, man. Cause I was watching it today. Yeah. The play came uh, uh, off the boards and then, you know, you finish it off. Take us, take us through what you remember about that goal. And, and yeah, uh, like, do you did you kind of black out at that point? Like, what was that? Big time. Big yeah. time. Yeah. I, uh, so we were um, – that was like – so I played in the last eight games of the season. And um, so, like, a good – I think uh, my first couple games, we had, like, had obviously 12 forwards. And then we were going on the Carolina road trip and, like, a couple guys – I think it was, like, um, two guys got hurt. Like, one of the guys got hurt in practice and then another guy got hurt in a game. We got, like, a, a concussion or whatever. So – we only had like 11 healthy forwards. So uh, me and a kid uh, who's still in the organization, Mackenzie and Whistle, were like on the fourth line. Um, and like we were like just kind of guys would come like in and out in our line. 
So it was usually like uh, like a guy like uh, like Kaner or like another another guy, whatever. And I remember it was like this my second shift of might have been my second or third shift of the first period. And I remember just getting on the ice, whatever. And um, I literally just hopped on, and um, I remember just seeing Twisty like kind of just fly through the through the right side of of the ice with the puck. And I'm like in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go to the net, see what happens. And uh, it was literally a gift like that. The, yeah. He had a great play uh, pass off pad literally just came right to my stick and I, I banged it in. And I had no idea that Kaner like passed it to twisty. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I think it was the, the coolest part is just like um, he's the first guy like yep. came to me after I scored. So that was the coolest thing. Um, but I remember like after the game, my phone was like, was pretty crazy. Like it was, I mean, a bunch of my buddies were texting me and stuff and, they're like, you know, Kaner assisted in your first goal. And I was like, wait, I, actually, I, I had no idea, yeah. uh, to be honest. So, I mean, that was that was like the kind of the funny part about it. But um, literally, like, I still kind of like black out um, thinking about it because I'm still kind of like starstruck like a little bit. Like, I think, um, you know, a lot of people are because he grew up like going to all these NHL games and you finally score one. It's just kind of a, kind of a dream come true. So. Um, yeah, that was, that was really, really special. Yeah. Dude. And, uh, you know, I was watching, watching it over again and Kaner was, he freaking flew down the ice as soon as he <laughs> was like one of the first ones up to yeah. I was like, that's unbelievable. And you yeah. know, everything you hear about him, he's just an unbelievable guy, you know, like yeah. just everyone has awesome things to say about him. Um, you know, what, 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 when he left to go to New York, what was the vibe like around the city? Like, obviously, he's a Chicago legend, always oh will be. Like, what was that like for like teammates and then fans of the city? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I think the, I mean, the Ch- Chicago organization right now, we, or it's it's pretty open that we're going through a little bit of a rebuild, and uh, you know, I mean, it was obviously like you look at all like you go on Twitter at that time, and everyone was kind of talking about it, so. Um, I don't think a lot of people were surprised about it when he, when he went to New York, but I think he has the, he had the right to do whatever he wanted. Like he, um, people in Chicago, like love the guy to death. He, he brought three Stanley cups to Chicago. You know, he played over a thousand games there. Like, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a hall of famer for sure. So, um, you know, I think, I think for him, it was just, yeah, I think he wanted to play like in the playoffs and playing a, a, on a winning team in New York there. So, um, but yeah, I can't really say anything bad about him. Like he's, he's a great guy, obviously a great hockey player. And, uh, he was great to all the young guys in, in Chicago and he, he helped out with, with, with a lot of us, uh, that were kind of fresh in the league. So, um, but yeah, I and mean, just to answer your question, I don't, I don't think a lot of people were surprised because if you looked on Twitter, like the whole year, everyone was kind of wondering where he was going to go. So, um, but yeah, no, I was just. It was a pretty. It was it was pretty crazy because um, when you think of Patrick King, you think of the Chicago Blackhawks, and you know he was there for so long. So it was it was pretty nuts. I still do at this point. Like I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. Like I don't even not that. It just automatically you think of the Blackhawks. Um, you mentioned Chicago's going through a little bit of a rebuild. Uh-huh. Um, you know what are what are your expectations for this upcoming season? Like mm-hmm. what are what are some areas of your game specifically that you've been really focusing on? Um, and, and what are some games or some areas in your game that you think you really thrive on? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the biggest thing like coming up is is just like like confidence. Like when you uh, when you get to the NHL, like um, I mean, you go from the American League to the NHL, and it's like I th- I mean, in my opinion, I think it's night night and day. I think in the NHL, like um, you can't really have the puck in your stick for that long. Like your people are the the, the defenders are are too good. You kind of have to you have to like kind of have a, a play in your head before you get it. Um, but I think for me, I think it's more trying to hold on to the puck a little bit more. Um, so I think this summer, I mean, playing against other NHL guys has been huge for me because you know, you're playing against other NHL guys. So you're working on your your skills against some, and um, you know, I, and if you make a nice play, you're like, okay, I, I can I, I can actually do this, like uh, where I don't have to just chip it in every time and go chase it. So. Um, I think that, and then I think just as a bigger guy, just, um, just like always working on my skating. I think my first, my first three steps, uh, just like acceleration, that's probably the biggest thing I've, I've tried to work on this summer is just kind of, uh, trying to get a little bit quicker. Um, which I, I've been trying to, uh, like, I think every summer just trying to get, you know, quicker and, and stronger. I think that's being a bigger guy. It's very important. And, uh, but I think like, uh, for my game, I think uh, for me, it's just I've, I've always kind of been a shooter where like, uh, you know, at, at BC, for example, I played in a line with, with Newhook and, and Boldy and uh, they're pretty, those two are really good passers. So when I got the puck, I was always shooting it. So I think for me, it's just like, you know, getting in areas where I can shoot the puck more, uh, create more scoring chances. And you know, I think that's for me, it's like uh, trying to do that, um, you know, more often. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's this summer kind of um, fixing up those areas. And uh, but I think, I mean, uh, playing against all these guys in Boston, it's been it's been great, and it's been great for uh, for my confidence as well. Yeah, that three on three tournament that we talked about earlier is wow. just I, I can't even imagine like you know how everyone out there is unbelievably skilled, mm-hmm. and you guys have you know you guys have to know where the puck is going like before yeah. you can get it. Um, yeah. It's, you, know, you mentioned well, guys like Charlie Coyle out there. Uh, um, you're out there. Like it, it was unbelievable to watch how fast you guys are, and you know exactly what you're going to do with the puck before you even get it. Yeah, I think that's like a good example of it too. Like when you're in when you're in tight areas, like on that small sheet of fair, like you have to make a play, um, and like you're in like you you can't really skate like to a to a bigger area because it's such a small ice out. It's such a small sheet out there, so. Um, I think playing in that is like it's it's actually a very uh, very good tool to use to kind of get better in those little areas. So, um, but yeah, I kind of get a, a a funny story about because uh, I said chipping the puck in. Uh, I got a funny story my about my second game in Chicago. Um, I actually just thought about this when I said chipping the puck in, but uh, you know, growing growing up a Boston guy, um, I was like a and I think anyone that um plays the nhl from boston like little kids always like you know grew up watching those guys and are kind of huge fans and so for me growing up like i always like loved watching keithy handel and uh we have the same uh same agent uh you know my agent's jerry buckley and jerry buckley used to represent keith and my second game was versus florida and um i remember like my first shift um i kind of like hit him and uh, he was kind of like off balance, whatever. And like 
someone someone on my team goes down the ice, like shoots it, like goalie saves or whatever. And like he's like just so pissed off at me because I hit him. And like he I think he like he thought it was a late hit or whatever. <laughs> so he, he's looking at me and he's like, What the hell are you doing? And I was just like, uh, like I didn't even know what to say. And um, so like the next shift, uh, um, I remember like getting the puck or whatever at like the red line. And I didn't really have like a play to make. And obviously it's my second NHL game. I'm not trying to turn the puck over. Right. So like I skip it in and uh, he's like right in the boards. And he's like, uh, cause like my, I don't even know why, but like my helmet was like way too small for me. And I was like too nervous to like, to like tell the trainer that it was too small. <laughs> cause I'm like just a new guy there. So like the whole game, he was calling me mega head. <laughs> So he was like, he was like, he was like, that a boy mega head, like good chip. <laughs> and like literally like the whole game, every time I like chipped it in, he was all over me, man. It was like, and like guys on my team are like, dude, do you know this guy? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like I, but no, I didn't know him at all. And, um, and then like we played him like the next day, I think it was a back to back. And he was like, he kind of gave me like a top on the shin pads and he was like, he was like, hey, like, I know it's, I was your second game. Like, I was just like busting your balls, whatever. But I was like, oh, man, like, this is like, uh, and I actually saw him that summer at the fair, the fair league. And he was like, he was like, don't run me tonight, Mega Head. Like, so I was just, I was just like, that's just a funny, like, a funny story. Cause I was like, I'm not like, I can't chirp this guy. Like, he, he's played over a thousand games. Like, he's yeah. a legend in this league. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna eat it. Like, I'm really gonna eat it. Like, this guy can call me whatever he wants. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 the little story about me chipping in the puck, just <laughs> just all over me, like literally the whole game. So you see those hilarious like clips of him, like just screaming at people, like even when oh, he's like going God. back to fetch the puck. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, dude, uh, yeah. Dude. I don't really like. I don't really know him that. Like, uh, I don't really know him that well. Like, um, I skated with him a few times. Like. um uh, two summers ago because he was going into Philly that year. But uh, I remember, like, a couple of times I skated with him. Like, he's just, like, such a good guy. Like, um, just, like, asking him, like, you know, oh, where, like, where are you living this summer? Like, just little stuff like that. Like, he's just such a great guy. And you hear, like, um, you know, guys, like, love playing with him. And it's uh, – he's obviously hilarious. So, uh, I've heard so many funny stories about him. Like I said before, I don't really know him too well, but – uh, that was just a, whenever people like ask me about him, I'm like, yeah, I, I got a story about him just chirping how, how Dude, big my head is. So that's pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> like, and especially it being like your second game, like you mentioned. Yeah, literally my second game. I'm like, come on, like, man. Like, I guess I'm an awesome guy. Like, give me a break here. Like, <laughs> I guess I'm back now. Like, <laughs> literally. So, uh, I remember just, I remember like after the game, like, uh, like, Texan Buck and like my agent Jerry Buckley and he was dying laughing. He was like, he was like, get used to it, buddy. Like <laughs> he's like, if you play for a sock guy, you're gonna get ripped. So uh yeah, that was that was pretty funny. That's so fucking funny, dude. Um so kind of talk bringing back uh back up the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. You draft they draft a guy, Connor Bedard, they bring in a bunch of you know, veterans, yeah, from Boston, Halsey. Mm-hmm. um Alino. have you been able to talk to any of those guys yet no so i i, I actually haven't been in chicago since may um but i'm actually so like, like i said before i'm uh going pretty early i'm going september 3rd so like in like two weeks but um 
uh, just talking to guys that like were at Chicago's development camp, they've said nothing but, uh, you know, great things about, about Bedard, like just saying how, how hard he works and um, how he's a really humble guy. So that's obviously great to hear um, from a first overall pick. Like you want, you want guys that are humble and like work really hard. So uh, that was awesome to hear. Uh, but just talking to guys like, um, you know, that played in Boston, talking to guys like Mark and those guys, like they say like Hall and Foligno are just tremendous, tremendous guys. And, um, great human beings, obviously great players. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be pretty cool to, uh, to you know, play with those guys. Cause uh, besides, I mean, Chicago is my, my number one team, but my number two is Boston, uh, being a Boston guy. So uh, just watching them uh, play for the Bruins, um, you know, so many times it'll be cool to kind of share the ice with them. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And I got one last question for you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Chicago deep dish pizza? I, I, I hear so many, so many mixed reviews and I've never gotten to like actually experience it myself. <laughs> yeah. I know from a dude that's, you know, living in Chicago, uh, like I gotta know. Um, so my honest opinion, like I'm a, I love pizza. My number one, my number one pizza, I have like two, honestly. Uh, so one a would be pizzeria, pizzeria Regina in the North end. That's my number one. And my one B is Pino's Pizza, Cleveland Circle, right near BC. Yep. Really like unbelievable. So those are like my two go-tos. Um, but I, I love Chicago Deep Dish. Like um, I think the only bad thing about it is like it's, just, it's so filling. Like you have two slices and you're like, I'm literally going to like sit on the couch the rest of the night. Like I can't – you can't like yeah. – you can't do anything after. It's so much bread. Um, so that's like the one like tough part about it, but, um, I'm the type of guy where like, if you throw a slice in front of me, like I'm going to, I'm going to eat it. Like, I don't really, I think pizza is pizza, but there's obviously, um, there's, I mean, I definitely have favorites, but I think just the Chicago restaurants in general are like night and day from anywhere I've been. Like there's so many good restaurants around there. Like if you want to go to a, a good steak place, there's so many good steak places, good Italian places, good sushi uh, good pizza places. It's just like, it's crazy. They, they have like everything there. So like just compared to Boston or, or anywhere I've really, really been, I think the one thing that I'll say about Chicago is like the, the restaurants there are like unbelievable, like best it, restaurants I've been to. It, it's funny you bring that up because a lot of like the chicklets episodes when they uh, have guys on and they talk about like, Oh, what, what are your favorite cities that you, yeah, everyone says Chicago. I feel like, like New York, Chicago and then yeah. and whatever else. And I think just because people like talking to guys that like play in the league that don't play in Chicago, I think they, they just say like, I mean, if you go to like New York, like that's obviously a great city to go to. Cause there's so many, there's so much stuff to do, but like in Chicago, there's just like, there's great restaurants and you're not going to like the same restaurant every time you're there. Like you can just kind of switch it up and go to different spots. So yeah. I think that's pretty pretty cool for for guys like that are uh, in Chicago, like on the road. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, we're hit. We're almost at fifty minutes. So, uh, listen, man. I, I can't thank you enough for uh, you know for coming on, taking time out of your day. I also want to give a huge shout out to uh, Benny and Greg Thomas. You know, for yeah, they're awesome. Greg's my guy. Benny and Greg are my guys. Unbelievable. Greg was my, Greg was my coach uh, from from uh, ten years old till till twenty. So. Um, Benny was my teammate for all those years too. So they're great. I still talk to them all the time. So pretty funny that you guys are, uh, are good buddies. 
yeah, you know, I was a senior when he was a freshman and, and we were on the same line and I kind of just went out there and took up space and hit whoever <laughs> hit him. So yeah, that was about it. He did all the, uh, he was the one who put the puck in the net always, but yeah. and can't thank you enough for coming on and, uh, yeah, no worries. you know, best of luck this year. Uh, you know, I know you're going to tear it up in Chicago and hopefully, uh, you. Uh, you know, if you, if you, uh, whenever you come back to Boston, man, we'll have to link up. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate you having me on and, uh, I'll definitely uh, be, uh, you know, following along with the uh, with the new show. Awesome, man! Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah. Buddy. You too.